0: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 679. This- so, do you have anything to promote besides Giant Podcast? I sure Giant
1: do. Uh, this one I pulled specifically here. Fumpfest, Fest, which is an all-comedy music music festival. Okay. Do you ever go to Coachella and wish that Dr. Demento had booked it?
0: You fucking know I do! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you is- know I want to see Barnes & Barnes or the- Jonathan Colton or Paul & Storm. Uh, or- th- it's in uh, Wheeling, Illinois, yep. and it, it's literally three days of, of endless all comedy music they have comedy dance parties where there's dance music comedy oh, stuff which in my go. mind is just like the woo pinwheel sound with drum beats over it they're coming to take me away <laughs> and then uh, uh, they have they have like an uh, uh, improv thing where people start throwing subjects somebody just does an ongoing song incorporating stuff as people do it out the arrogant worms are headlining this year but they have a ton of people who have been from the dr. men show show all through it is bill frenzer gonna be there uh, i can only hope do you know to- bill frenzer did uh, dead puppies and King oh, of the clown is he
0: alive yeah he's still alive i saw him at, i saw him at the tomorrow show
1: like four or five years ago oh, really yeah it's uh i can only hope and i j- legitimately thought that guy was dead no uh, so i'm i'm like like loud. like this so is, many puppies he sang about that's that's sort of my thought is i imagine that the puppy syndicate got to him no but uh <laughs> june 5th through 7th okay <laughs> we're starting a, co- a comedy music band called the, the puppy syndicate <laughs> I see. My mind. It was a, a men who dresses dogs and do Dream Syndicate covers.
0: <laughs> no, you're making it way more complicated than it needs to be. You put five fucking puppies up on a stage, and then
1: you it, just like hear the, me out. Hear me out. We put tiny harmonica holders in front of their puppy faces. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, do you see? Do you see? You're even cutest cutest you even just saying that? Ever. Oh my god. It's like our our answer to the Harmonica Cats. Yes. Or the Acro cats. There we go. Which I played of- next to. In it, yes. <laughs> the Puppy Syndicate. <laughs> uh, well, next year at Fump Fest, look for the Puppy Syndicate. Oh, that'd be amazing. Katie? Yes. Uh, the most recent episode of Hound Hall with Moshe Kasher mm-hmm. is an extra special live one from San Francisco, and it's all about the history of hip hop. And it's really cool and really interesting. If you listen to hip hop at all, I suggest you listen to this. It features expert Jeff Chang, who's written uh, a couple books about hip hop and comedians Natasha Leggero, W. Kamau Bell and Kasim Bentley. And you can find it now. It's called Hound Tall.
0: Great. And again, promoting our uh, San Diego Comic-Con shows. Nerdist is going to be doing a bunch of stuff at Comic-Con this year. If you're heading down to San Diego uh, in July and I believe it's. Like the 9th, tenth, and eleventh, it's somewhere somewhere around there. It's like it's the week, it's the weekend after Fourth of July, and uh, and so go to funcomfortabletour.com to get tickets for my stand-up show and Live Nerds podcast. This episode is Dexter Holland, uh, who is from the band The Offspring. Who I mean, Offspring was h- huge when I worked at K Rock, huge on the <laughs> they're on the, still huge
1: on the K Rock on, on
0: the on the rotation, huge on the rotation, uh, and obviously the Offspring had a very successful music career. But I was so – poor Dexter Holland. I just – I <laughs> pinned him down and I'm like, talk about science. Because he is – sci- he's a scientist. And he's scientist scientist. He's a me- so molecular smart. biologist. He, he's he's, oh he's getting his PhD in molecular biology. He's always been a science guy. And after the success of the band, he went back and he's, he's probably about a year away from c- completing his PhD in molecular biology. And he's studying RNA in HIV. I mean, and it's – he and he does so many fascinating things that you know you never would have like you know bands from when you were growing up you don't think oh that guy's a scientist like he's like <laughs> oh well they're just like that's what they did they're bands and they still do music but he does all of these things but he's a a really interesting guy and 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 really sweet too so uh I it was a it was an absolutely it met every expectation that I had chatting with him and exceeded them so. Thank you to Dexter Holland. Uh, the Offspring has a new single called Coming for You at an, up- an upcoming summer tour date, so check those out at offspring.com. And also, he made a hot sauce just because fucking why which not? Which is
1: super good, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: which we have here. They sent us a couple. It's called Gringo Bendito. So- uh,
1: my favorite diner in the world is in Sunset Beach. It's called the Harbor House, and they have it on every table at the restaurant. It's real Fantastic. good on a breakfast burrito. <laughs> so, this episode number 679 with Dexter Holland. Now entering nerdist.com.
0: We were almost undone by a cable that was barely plugged in. I apologize. Nice. But you're here. It yes. all worked out. It was great. Welcome. The journey. It is, it is it's nice to meet you. Uh, I, we are, we're We're going to talk science. I'm very excited to talk science with you. Uh-oh, you're talking to the wrong guy. Why? No,
2: I don't know. A little bit, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, our guitar player is very nervous. To, or, I mean, very. Uh, very bummed that he's not here today. Why? Because uh, he's a, a huge, huge fan of your show. What? Yeah. Well where where is he? You guys said he couldn't come. <laughs> Did we? <laughs> I, I thought that,
1: like, convers- I didn't know the, the conversation was gonna be
0: Gene, I didn't know who- he's, like,
2: he's like, You're going on the Nerdist? I want to go. I'm like,
0: No, oh, yeah. Noodles could have come on the Nerdist. I, I, I don't know. Noodles!
2: <laughs>
0: Where are you, Noodles?
2: <laughs> Next time, maybe. Next we
0: time. We <laughs> missed. No, he says oh, to say hello. Poor he's, Noodles. He's a huge fan. Oh, Noodles. Noodles, this was outside of my uh, range of knowledge. This would have been a Noodles approved podcast. <laughs> uh, I am very, very despondent that uh, we were not able to accommodate you. So please, uh, please uh, send Noodles hugs. You I, know what? You should uh, tell Noodles if he wants to come to like a Talking Dead or something, or at midnight or something. He's more than welcome. To oh, it. he would love to. Any, any time. Yeah. he'll appreciate the shout out as well. That's so. very, that's very yeah. easy. Excellent. So, so quick, what are you working on now? What are you working on right now? Uh, uh, th- new songs? Yes, songs? new songs. Yeah. Uh, we definitely talk about the songs. but I, th- Talk about the songs first, and then I'm just going to start poking your brain. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, okay, right. You're, but you're, you're, your story is insane. Your story uh, is insane. Well, th- thank who, you. Who takes a break from science to then be in a band that is very successful and then says... Well, now I'm going to go back and try to cure AIDS. Like, yeah, it, just, it, just, it just kind of made sense. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. yeah, we did just put out a single. We had a record that came out, uh, I guess, a couple years ago. And instead of staying in the studio and for a year or whatever and putting together a record, we thought, let's just put out a song here and there for a while and keep us happy, keep yeah. the kids happy, hopefully. And we're kind of in the middle of that right now, which is great. It's actually been nice not... Doing a whole album For a little while Sure yeah. Well does the concept Of an album Doesn't even really Mean anything anymore We've had these discussions In the studio <laughs> and Like why Why are we doing this Because the kid download, Downloads it in 10 minutes And he's on to the next thing You know We've gotten these emails As soon as our record Comes out The very day it comes out They're like I love it. When's your next record coming out? You know, (laughs) we just, we just did. Yeah, it took a
0: long time. They're they're very hard to make.
2: And, you know, we've even talked to each other, like people don't digest music that way anymore. It's not really how it is as an album. But we always come back to the fact that, well, you know, we're, we're a rock band and rock bands make albums. And that's what we're into and what inspired us. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely do another album.
0: Does it still feel exactly the same as when you, I mean, you guys have a specific dynamic together that is, that is consistent, or do you feel like your process uh, has changed since the 90s? Uh,
2: I think we all kind of know, you know, who each other are, and we get along pretty well, so I don't think anyone's surprised when we get in the studio and, like, you came up with this, you know, we all kind of just work with it.
0: That's good. Yeah. So w- what, when did you, I just, can you please just walk me through the timeline, a little bit um, where you went to school and then how you first started getting into molecular biology and then how you decided <laughs> I'm going to take a break from I just I'm sure you've told the story before but I would love to just like a little quick quick uh,
2: yeah yeah sure I mean uh, we all grew up in Garden Grove basically Orange mm-hmm. County yep and uh, went to high school there and stuff and um, I guess three three of the four of us all went to the same high school and what year was this uh I graduated in 84. Okay. Yeah, so all around that. What was time. what was the orange curtain like in the early 80s? Yeah. Well, uh you know people when you you look at old punk rock movies and stuff it's supposed to be very boring and and very defined and all that stuff. And, and I think that was kind of true. When you grow up in something you don't necessarily realize what you're growing up to it, you kind of react to it instinctively, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So what we did is we got into punk rock It's just what it just seemed like the thing to do. I don't know. I didn't think about why so much then, but we were into the dead Kennedys and social distortion. And, and, uh, there were a lot of Orange County bands who really liked like TSOL and the adolescents, but you know, the Ramones, of course, and the sex pistols. And we kind of shared that love and we would, would go to shows and drink beer on the weekends. So it was,
0: so it was basically, cause you must've been a good student. I did good in school.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I came naturally. I I don't know. You know, and that's that's hard when you're a kid, too, because you kind of don't want to, like, it makes you stand out in a weird way sometimes, so you're kind of always trying to underplay it, you know, like you'd have a conversation with someone and you'd think of a big word and then you'd try to think of a smaller word so you didn't come <laughs> across like... <laughs> <laughs> you're like some kind of massage woman hater or something.
0: You know? <laughs> Are you trying to use big words? <laughs> yeah, right. Nerd alert. So like, <laughs> but is it... I mean, when when the offspring first broke, what, what did, was there that... <laughs> Was there that urge to suppress the like? Don't let them know you're a science guy, or you know, it's like it's all it's all thrash, it's all thrash rock. Don't let them know about the science <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah, uh,
2: I think that just came out pretty quickly, and uh, the the press people really wanted to go with that a lot. They're like, oh, we got to put Dexter on the cover wearing a lab coat, and like they really <laughs> want to take it <laughs> sure way too far. That's about as far as we'll they'll
1: dig. <laughs> lab coat <laughs> scientists yeah. have that That's it, right. right? <laughs>
2: yeah. So we and we really kind of wanted to stay away from that, so we kind of downplayed that for a long
0: time. Uh, I think it would be much better to have you in uh, like a silver cowboy suit with a hat, riding an mRNA strand. <laughs> uh, I think maybe that would have been better. than That just would a be
2: awesome. Coat. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna have to get serious with accurate diagrams and <laughs> you know stuff like that. So,
0: but what's interesting is is in kind of um, were you still hearing a buzz? Okay. In writing, you know, when you're you're writing something, I feel like a lot of times you're expressing what's in your environment, right? So, how did you? How do you keep? Is there is there hidden? Is there hidden science stuff or is there hidden nerd stuff in in the songs that you know about? But you know, but is is kind Uh, of like Easter eggy stuff?
2: Well, sort of, I guess. I, I don't know if I really think about it that way. Actually, a lot of things that I think about or I like, I feel like. You know, I couldn't write that because no one else will relate to it. You know, like, uh, uh, I like to fly, uh, but I don't really write songs about flying because I, I don't know how to connect with the average person. You know,
0: <laughs> on how you to pilot their like, own jet aircraft? I, I, yeah, yeah,
2: you know. Don't put the altimeter down to 100
0: feet, stuff like that. You don't want to, you just don't want to go there. But do you understand if you just sang it in the Offspring Cadence that people would think you're like... It, you, I mean, if you sang literally about flying a plane... People would think that it was a metaphor for something. Like, <laughs>
2: man, this is so deep. And maybe just go, go with it, right? <clears throat> There's actually one good story about how the, the science thing did translate. And so I was in graduate school. I guess we're kind of going back and forth in yeah. time here or whatever. But uh, I actually had to pour some Petri dishes. You know what those things are, yes. right? And what you do is you take this giant flask. It looks like that. It's called an Erlenmeyer flask. I'm right? I'm familiar, yes. Okay. And I had to pour a whole bunch of them. And so you fill it up with this stuff that's almost like jello and you gotta get it really, really super hot so it sterilized. And I had to make so much I had to make like two hundred petri dishes, so I put these two of them next to each other in this big giant oven that sterilizes it and stuff. And once it gets done, it's super hot and it's really thick, it's really viscous, so it's not gonna cool down forever. So I put it under a hood and had the, the, the fan on forever and I touched it 20 minutes later and it's still super hot, I can barely touch it. And I thought, these things are never gonna cool down. I gotta keep them separated. I was hoping that's
1: where you were going! I was hoping that's where you were going!
2: That, that is the no, I was the, so
1: hoping uh, that's where you were going! The, no,
2: the no shit actual <laughs> story I've <path. laughs>
0: I was like, wow, I like that line. I got to do something with God that. God damn it. See, science can be very profitable. Yeah, can't we? <laughs>
1: that's,
0: that's right. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh, did any, but did anyone, no one at the time would have thought, the song's about petri dishes. Yeah,
2: exactly, right? <laughs> now, Well, the other part of that story is that I drove to uh, USC every day and I commuted from Orange County. So I went through some pretty bad neighborhoods on a daily basis. And you saw evidence of the, the gang life and all that stuff and the graffiti, and, and so Keep Them Separate became more of a metaphor of, of, of gang life.
0: Yeah. That's good. You just turn, you turn Petri dishes and you're like, but it's a metaphor for life. <laughs> it is. That's what I'm saying. If you write about altimeters, then people will think that it's something that it's something more. Maybe something more, right? When did you get your pilot license? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, t- uh, 20 years ago, I guess now. Really? Yeah. And so you're licensed yeah. to
0: fly, you have a license to fly like full commercial jet aircraft. I, uh, yeah, I got rated
2: all the way up to, they call it airline transport. Like, I could fly for the airlines.
0: But uh. do, do you know how amazing it would be <laughs> if all of a sudden it was like, ladies and gentlemen, this is your Captain
1: Dexter Holland speaking,
0: and then you break into a song? I, I should totally do that, huh? <laughs> how are you able to? I mean, it's, I, this is one of my favorite things about doing this podcast and talking to people is. So much of the time you you see people for – there's so much to process and you categorize everyone like, oh, this guy is about this and this woman's about this and this person just does this. But to meet you and talk to you and know that not only do you have an extensive uh, science background and you're currently working on uh, trying to understand HIV – but you also have your pi- you also are a rated pilot at the same time. Right. When you very easily could have just said, "Yeah, fuck you, I'm in the offspring," and that's it, the end. <laughs> like you could have just done that, and right. that and I don't think anyone would have faulted you yeah. for that. But yeah. so, what is it specifically specifically about your personality, and furthermore, your work ethic and your drive that that uh, that that forces you to to really take everything as far as you can? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's there, you know, it's one of those one
2: of those things, I guess, right? I guess. You probably want a better answer than that. Right? <laughs> well I, I, <laughs> But if that's really if that's really what it is. I guess I'm really I'm interested in stuff. I think stuff is cool and I just think when I, I see something I like, I'm like, well oh, that would be really rad to do that. Why not give it a shot? guess maybe the the problem is I I never know when I get into something what a bad idea it usually is because <laughs> you're going to be really terrible at it for a long time or it's going to cost a lot of money or take all your time and stuff, and it takes a while to get over that hump, you know? Sure. The band was a good, a, a good example where it took us 10 years, you know? We were, like, super into it and really, like I said, inspired by the punk bands and started playing and couldn't get anyone to come to the shows and didn't realize really how terrible we were as a band. We were not good at all for <laughs> a really long time. We didn't we didn't have take lessons. We didn't own instruments when we started the band. We we literally said, "Let's start a band." And like, "Okay, what do you want to play?" you know, and shows our instruments on the spot. Oh, wow. So that made the curve a little longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? That is a very fierce learning curve. Like we have to not just yeah. learn the music business, but learn actually how to play instruments yeah. at the same time. So when at what point did you did it go? Because it, with anything, with anything that's a craft or uh, or something that starts out as fun or a hobby, at, at a certain point, it does kind of become a a chore. Like it's the the maintenance of it and the growing of it more than just the first couple weekends. You're like, oh fuck, you really got to work at this. Yeah. So so, how did you guys focus and what what? kept you going along the way to keep pursuing
2: yeah it honestly wasn't like that it was like this is so much fun and every every little thing you did was like wow we're actually making our own records you know like Everything we did was DIY. They still say that, right? Do mm-hmm. it to yourself, right? But it was out of necessity. It, w- it wasn't like we're so cool, we're going to do, you know, we'd love to have someone make our T-shirts, but no one was willing to do that. So <laughs> you had to do all your own stuff, right? We actually, we had to glue together our own record sleeves because we got them printed, but we didn't have the extra nickel to per sleeve to get it glued. Oh, my God. So we were doing it. But it wasn't like it was a bummer. It's like let's get a couple cases of beer and go to the bass player's house, and we'll we'll just do it on Saturday or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. I know,
0: right?
2: <laughs> you know, I'll be like,
0: I don't know if I can fucking glue records.
2: Yeah, pay someone to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then we started playing in Berkeley, and that was really fun. That's where we first got a following and stuff. But it was it really took a long time, and it was it was just something we like to do, though.
0: Do you um do you do you appreciate the fact that you had to build this in a pre social media era? I mean now. Not, not that social media is easy to figure out, but at yeah. least there is a, the potential for reach in a megaphone. But you know, at that time, which I assume is probably the mid to late 80s, it's, it, you're, you're really, it's really just word of mouth at that point, right? Word of mouth and cassettes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think we did realize even back then that you're going to reach a lot more people with your little CD or your cassette than you ever are with a live show or, or by talking to somebody and stuff. So it was important for us to record stuff and get it out from the very beginning.
0: How are you getting it out, though?
2: Yeah, we'd send the fanzines. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you could buy cassettes at Radio Shack. They're mm-hmm. like twelve pack cassettes. I remember. Yeah, so you could buy those for like a buck a piece. I think you know, ten bucks for ten or something. And then you dub them on your cassette player at home. Yeah. And slap on the label and send it out.
0: It's kind of funny that, that philosophically, that hasn't really changed much. That people still, and it almost seems like the the sloppier something is, the more homespun it is the more authentic it is for people because it's for not you know if something's really shiny and polished then people are automatically suspicious but like that's a comp- that's a corporation you're trying to sell me yeah. a thing yeah, particularly yeah. if you're doing like if you're doing like thrash if it's super packaged and super slick so i wonder when you guys did start to make it did that affect your 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 initial core group of fans who were like fuck you guys sold out cuz your album looks like someone printed it yeah
2: well For sure. There's a little bit of that. I guess that I think there's two sides of it, right? Where they're definitely, like you said, it almost makes it more meaningful if it seems flawed or imperfect, that sort of thing. And, uh, the other side of it is whenever you hear a band's old record that sounds really shitty and is super cool, they were never trying to make it sound like that. They wanted to make it sound (laughs) fucking great. That was the best they could do. Right. And that's what we did. We had shitty amps and shitty production and stuff, and we were pretty excited about it, but, uh, and you can look back at it now and go, oh, that's actually pretty, that's kind of cool in its own way. Things can have a, a charm, right? Yes.
0: So, <clears throat> how do you then, because I just, I see these, uh, maybe they're not dichotomous, but it feels like there's a dichotomy to me between um, this artistic side, which, like you just said, you have, you know, like embraces flaws. A lot of the best stuff comes from flaws, and it's good to embrace your flaws, versus science. Which is all about stamping out all the flaws and it's very exact and it has to – you know, the math has to check out and the science has to be slick and perfect. Like how do you – do you see a, a disparity between those two things or do you feel like they're just part of the half of the same whole?
2: Yeah. I mean they say that, that music and math are very related and a lot of people that are good at songwriting are good at math also. And I, I don't know for sure if that's true. But um, I think I do kind of see songs as as things you can almost – visualize them, I guess, right? If it's a certain chorus part or the way a harmony fits together and stuff. So, uh, I never thought about it being perfect or imperfect, but you're always trying to write like the perfect song, right? I think, uh, we, or they were talking about that. Like the ideal of the perfect song has got to be out there somewhere and you can never get to it, of course, but right. it's kind of a nice idea that has just the right structure and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. But with science, you can't really, you can't really just go, Oh well, I'll just embrace the flaws with this. Like you really, <laughs> when that happens, you got to start all over and you have to make it work. Maybe
2: I don't know. I think sometimes things get fudged a little bit in science, also, right? Yeah,
0: they, well, of course. I mean, it's whenever uh, it, how many times something has to be peer reviewed once it gets published, and they go, you know, this just happened with like with warp drive a couple of weeks ago, and a bunch of people said. How come you're not talking about warp drive? And I was like, because it hasn't been peer reviewed yet. And once they do, it's probably not going to check out. And of course, what happens, right? You know. Yeah. So, so. It, it is. It's also interesting to see social media with science because people can blurt stuff out without having. And and most citizens will not take the time to thoroughly dissect and try to understand. They just see things on the surface.
2: For sure. I mean, that's the
0: internet, right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of anti-science, the internet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> in a, a weird saying, way. Right? I mean, I feel like the internet wants to embrace science, and sections <laughs> of it want to embrace science, but I feel like, as a whole, the internet, the entity of the internet, just embraces whatever it sees on the surface in a moment, it and goes, okay, very, that, that's, that's reality. Very gossipy, right? So it's pseudoscience, I guess. So had you completed, at what what level had you completed of your education before you, and when did you decide to... Break off for a while And then go pursue music
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, to to not make it a long story But the timeline is that You know, after high school We had just started the band We knew it wasn't going to go anywhere But it was fun So, you know uh, A couple of us went to college I got accepted to USC And I decided to, to go for pre-med I thought I wanted to be a doctor at the time. (laughs) Right? You could could have been. (laughs) Probably, probably. But uh, as time went on, I still, you know, I was going home every weekend to do band stuff. And that was just really important to us. And I knew that that's what I loved. And I figured I had to get a job eventually. But the more real medical school came because it was getting closer and closer, the more I sort of started self sabotaging a little bit, not singing the applications on time and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then whoops, I didn't get in, like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to do the band now, right? <laughs> but I still didn't have a job or, or know what I was going to do, and I got accepted to graduate school. Now, graduate school is a great way to avoid reality in <laughs> Absolutely. the real world. Enjoy. You can really stretch that out for a
0: long time if you want to, right? It is, And, and, and it's so amazing that, you know, I know there's value in, in, in continuing education and there's yeah. value in graduate school, and, but it also, parts of it are like, that's a pretty good business model for the schools. Like, oh no, no. You actually need more school. Yeah. If you want to be more respected. I mean, it's it's almost the educational version of like breath strips. Like, okay, you know, if you want people to like you more, you gotta buy these <laughs> things. And it's right. and it is when really we live in an age where <coughs> you you could learn anything from your phone. You could really learn anything in a moment. So mm-hmm. attending, you know, this this graduate school program does feel like it feels half scammy to me.
2: Right, right. And, you know, and I'm saying that half jokey because I did like what I was doing and stuff. But um, I, part of my pre-undergraduate uh, curriculum was, was genetics, which is another word for molecular biology, pretty much. So uh, I decided that's the part of biology I liked the best. And so I went into that and kept on going. And it was taking a long time, but we were doing the band thing on the side. And then one day the band sort of – it finally actually took off. So What was that moment? Uh, we started getting played on K Rock. It was K Rock, right? We'd come out and play, yeah, and um, which was amazing in itself. And then we heard that it was it was the number one most requested, like within a week, and then it went to MTV within four weeks, and it just it really went when it went.
0: I mean, K Rock, because I I was I I was on air at K Rock from '95 to '98, and so that was like a, that was a sweet spot for you guys, like mm-hmm. that, that period, and it was it seemed very advantageous that K Rock had such a strong Orange Orange County following that I don't think it was an accident that, uh, like, so many Orange County bands, which were right in K-Rock's backyard and right in their audience, blew up. And then, you know... Right. K-Rock was essentially like... um, K-Rock was like a subreddit. And it, if you got voted to the top of that subreddit, <laughs> yes. then MTV, like, the rest of music culture was was the front page. It and it's like, oh, it got voted to the top of, of K-Rock, so now it must be, now it's going to make the front
2: page. K-Rock and MTV were really connected, because it's people that worked at K-Rock, as you, as you probably know, went to MTV and stuff. Yeah. So that means you probably introduced one of our songs on the radio at one Tons. point, right?
0: Tons, because Up you, guys, next. you guys were in heavy rotation. You guys <laughs> were in very heavy rotation, so... Uh, and that meant that in um if i had a 4 hour shift you'd get played twice that's how it, that's how you knew a song wow. was in heavy rotation wow so right. uh yeah it was an interesting y- you guys were um kind of gl- gliding like I-, I was there for the last sort of sputtering of grunge into the more like orange county thrash rock which yeah. which was really you know yeah. like when i was when i was there that was really the, that was the time for it awesome Thank so you. it Was it literally one day you're like, oh, fuck, we're on K-Rock. Did you know they were going to play it or just Weatherly? Kevin Weatherly was the program director there. He just picked it and threw it on.
2: Didn't know. Didn't know. Actually, I got the call like half an hour before they played it. They said, hey, they had a music meeting. They played 15 songs. They rejected them all but yours. They we're gonna play it. Jed's gonna play it on the morning or the afternoon drive or whatever. And nice. Yes, sir. I know. And I was I was at school. I was in the lab. You know, like I <laughs> you know, gotta
0: find
1: a radio.
2: I gotta turn the radio on. Yeah, that's so that crazy. Was pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, and we still didn't know what we were gonna do or how far it was gonna go. And but within about two months, it was it was going. I think the record had made the top twenty. The album made the top twenty, and it was it was time to like if you're gonna do it, you gotta go. You gotta get on the road now and really go. So. At the time, you know, our bass player didn't. He had a job. He didn't really care about. Uh, Noodles was a janitor, uh, a great janitor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but he was actually concerned. He had a he had a daughter to take care of and stuff. And uh, you know, I was going to have to quit school. And you know, my family was concerned about that. And of course, my mom didn't understand. Like, are you sure this is a good idea? You know, why are you leaving school for a punk rock band and stuff? But. Uh, it all it all worked out. And luckily, pretty quickly, you know, a lot of bands, I think they're kind of in that, <clears throat> that zone where you're not sure if it's really going to gonna go for a while. Sure. And luckily
0: for us, that that didn't really happen. Well, yeah, I mean, not, there, there were a ton of, you know, for, for every offspring story, there's like a Dishwala story. You know what I mean? Where it's like
2: one, one... <laughs> Hey, I
0: love Dishwala. I, I did too. But they had the one, you know, they had the one song. that I mean, from the K-Rock perspective, they had the one song that K-Rock played all the time. And then just didn't really, you know. I mean, there was there were so many bands that I I remember. Even when 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 Loser came out by Beck, I was like, "Well, this guy's probably never going to have another thing after that." And then, of course, you know, because it was such a a lot of the songs K Rock would pick almost felt like um, not they just felt like very much like songs of the moment. Mm -hmm. So if a band could have if a band could then have a second song and a third song that K Rock would play. Then you knew they were, that, that band was probably going to be around for a while, but but a lot of times it was just it was just one song, and then K Rock was just, sort just of the
2: one, just, and, just, and we got lucky that we got a second one and a, and a third one.
0: Now, yeah, so. yeah. It, uh, it I, I guess that still happens now. Maybe it's just more gradual. Maybe you know, maybe it's more like with um, the, the overnight thing. The, the 10 year overnight thing the, you work for 10 years then you become uh, an overnight success but I guess, I guess YouTube is really the the equivalent of that now of someone just all of a sudden going viral and then but radio now I feel like yeah they played their song on the radio oh big deal you know I mean <laughs> is that is that still a big deal to get played on the radio
2: I think it is for sure I and mean, people talk about the social media which is super important but uh, I don't think the radio's not going anywhere. I, I don't think that's a big part of it, and I actually think it goes in cycles, and it's very singlesy feeling. I think to me sure. right now, right, and that happened in what the sixties happened in the seventies, of course, and then it became more band oriented. The nineties, for sure, was a lot more like that.
0: Yeah, I just don't know if people really understand the idea of you know. Listen to an album the way that it was written, start to finish, and take the journey. Yeah, it's just sort of like I'll take this band, I'll take this from over right. here, and then I'll just now I have a now I have my own playlist. And you don't
2: have to, and yeah, and I'm playing you know video games the whole time also.
0: It's, yeah, and also when your song comes up, uh, you know, like in iTunes, it's it's already telling people like, well, you should listen to this other one over here. Like it's already <laughs> onto the next, directing right? you yeah. into you know to ten other directions. Yeah. So I I. um I pulled this off your Wikipedia page Because this is a phenomenal paragraph As of 2013 <laughs> Holland is a doctoral student in the, At the Laboratory of Viral Oncology And Proteomics Research Keck School of Medicine Where he is supervised uh, And then it has your supervisor's professor's name March 2013 Holland and co-authors published a paper uh, Regarding microRNA and HIV genomes Titled Identification of Human MicroRNA Like Sequences Embedded with the Protein Encoding Genes Of the Human Immunodeficiency Virus uh, so uh, It says that this describes the use of computational, computational Molecular biology uh, To identify micro RNA like sequences in HIV So uh, It's just I mean That fucking blows my mind <laughs> That blows my mind You know the offspring? Yeah, yeah, they're still around But that guy is uh, sequencing RNA in HIV Okay, right, yeah Well, uh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know
0: How to take that? It's it's just it's 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 a huge compliment because it's you when you quit school, most people don't go back to school. It's like I'll go back. I mean, I I left school like in my final quarter to go work at MTV, and I of course I at the time I told my mom like I can always go back. I'm not gonna go back (laughs) (laughs) to finish out my philosophy (laughs) degree but you went like something about you went back and yeah. decided that science was important to you i didn't think i was
2: going to actually uh especially because with the band thing when it's going it's like you know i asked my manager i go what would happen if i took a couple of years off to finish school and he's like forget it <laughs> it's over right so i didn't for a long time but then i realized i kind of could and uh uh you know when i when i dropped out i basically dropped out of school right and all i had to do was write the dissertation which is a big job but i was that's like three courses Three fourths of the way there, so uh, it always kind of bugged me, and it just kind of kept on bugging me. Like ten years later, like you know, I just didn't finish that. It's kind of a shame. Would be cool if I finished it, you know. And I think it brings about other other opportunities in in a way, you know. I don't know what they are exactly, but uh,
0: you know, maybe Bono will come calling or something, you know. <laughs> right? He's you know he's into helping out with the AIDS problem and all that. It's so. just it's amazing. Like when I think about how. <laughs> You could you could fly yourself from the weenie roast to then curing AIDS. Like your whole <laughs> life is such an interesting, is such an interesting uh, tapestry yeah. of things that you know. I, I, the reason that I'm leaning on it so heavily is because I want people to understand that what makes them interesting and what makes them unique is all the different things that they're <laughs> into. And you were proving that you can do all of those things. As far as you can possibly take them, it doesn't have to just be one thing. If you like music, you can take music as far as you want, and then you can also pursue science, and you can also pursue flying. And and so it's uh, you know, there must be something there must be something about what drives you or how how you how you do that other than well it just seemed fun. Like you obviously you seem like a chill guy, right. but but your your Wikipedia page would suggest that you're not a chill guy because you're, <laughs> yeah. in, you're into a lot of stuff. <laughs> I guess I just want to take it as far as as I can go, you know, for for sure. So what so to what is your what is your uh doctoral program like now? What does it involve on a daily basis and and how how does it play out?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said before I had done the majority of the work work. So I'd already taken the classes and you have to take these really gnarly oral exams where all the professors try to make you feel like you don't know anything. And, sure. and it's a grilling process, hazing basically. Right. That uh, that's all kind of done. And I'm, and they were, USC was actually super, super cool when they said you can come back, even though it's been 18 years or whatever, and you can just pick up where you left off. No, no remedial work. Uh, just, go ahead and finish so that's been really great and what i'm doing is mostly right now is computational which means i can do research on the computer and write it up and uh i don't necessarily i'm not reporting to the lab every morning if you know what i mean right. so that way i can still do what i'm doing i'm going on tour and you know the band's a very big part of our <laughs> life obviously <laughs> you know noodles can most, keep it down
0: most people are getting blown by groupies and you're sequencing <laughs> RNA. Please, I'm am sequencing RNA. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Cut with a beer bong already. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to
2: read like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Guys, I'm trying to read my biology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keep it down on the bus back here. I'm trying to understand <laughs> HIV better.
0: I mean from a scientific point of view. Uh, what, so what what do you what is it specifically that you're trying to discover by sequencing the RNA? Right. Uh, well, I don't know how to detail to get it,
2: right? I'm trying to keep it where it's B D just hmm. just say just say whatever you think. Yeah. And people if
0: they get it, they get it. If they don't, all
2: book them. right. I mean, I think I think genetics is super cool. There, I said it, right? Yes. It goes goes all the way back to figuring out what what color flowers are going to be when you cross them and all that stuff. And different things come out at different times, like when they discovered DNA was a genetic material. That was amazing in 1953. And then they discovered other things along the way. It was really cool. And and one of the latest things in the last 10 years or so is they discovered this thing called microRNA. So they are... RNA, which is like DNA, but a little different, but they're very small, thus the micro, and that's why no one discovered them before, because they were hard to see. Sure, They were very small, Uh, but what they do is they latch on to bigger RNAs, and by latching on, they shut them off, so it's essentially an off switch uh, for your genes, and for your Body to be healthy, you have to turn genes on and off. Sometimes you want to grow, sometimes you don't want to grow, that sort of thing. So the on off switches are really important, and microRNAs are an important
0: off switch. Sure, and then, but it's never just as simple as shutting something off. Like I would assume that if you start shutting things off, that it has an effect. Because there is, you know, we are a holistic entity. And so if you start fucking with one thing, then something else could potentially suffer. For
2: sure, right? So there has to be ways to shut off the off switch, to turn it on, you know, that whole thing. It gets obviously super, super complicated. And uh, I think viruses are really interesting. Uh, They're obviously, you know, a huge cause of human suffering, which is a great reason to, to look into them and see if you can figure something out. But there's also something about it that is just so evil. It's just, it's wild. You know, they're not considered living organisms because they can't reproduce by themselves. They have to, they have to infect you in order to make new copies of themselves. uh, And people probably don't know, like a a typical virus will go, it'll latch on the top of your cell, like a lunar lander. It injects its DNA and the DNA tells the cell, don't make any more of your own stuff. You're now only going to make more viruses. It'll (laughs) make like a hundred viruses. And the last instruction is now blow up. And then those hundred viruses go out
0: and infect other cells, and that's so gnarly, right? It's like that's you, incredible. It basically sounds like Agent Smith describing humans to Morpheus in The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> really not the idea.
1: of a virus, <laughs>
0: right? But it's uh, uh, from the from from its point of view, it's just trying to survive. It's just
2: trying to survive, right? And that's just the arms, the arms race. Right? But, um, so what they do, what viruses do, is they figure out how to mess up what's going on in the cell. If a certain process is supposed to happen, they figure out how to, to hijack it or whatever. And so uh, some viruses actually make microRNAs. They've somehow figured out how to do that. And they can shut off things in the cell that they want to turn off. So that's all pretty amazing. And we're trying to understand how microRNAs might be used in, uh, in an HIV infection and in its pathogenesis and see if there's some way. Basically, we want to understand it so we can interfere
0: with it. Sure. So is it, is it, a, is it a question of uh, duplicating a, um, or, or copying uh, like a, a white hat virus where you essentially send a virus to attack a, 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 another virus?
2: You can, If you know what a microRNA is, what it does, you can actually make an anti-microRNA. You can synthesize it, throw it in the cell, and it'll, it'll neutralize it.
0: And how far away are we, do you think, from really being able to use this technology? They're doing
2: that with certain um, liver diseases. I guess with the liver, it's an easier organ for people to mess around with. Yeah. So there's actually a couple of them for, I think it's hepatitis C. There's some drugs in development and stuff. They're actually anti-microRNAs. Wow. So it's pretty amazing. It is, yeah, it's here. They're doing it. They just got to figure out how to do it with all the different cell types and viruses and what, what
0: have you. you. Do you teach it all ever? No, no. Because what's interesting about just listening to the way you the way that you express what you're working on, and also what you said earlier about how sometimes you had to kind of dumb down your speech so that people would understand what you're talking about, <laughs> uh, you 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 ha- you're expressing you're expressing these ideas in very like you're exp- you're expressing science in hangout terms, yeah, which is sort of like yeah, well you know this one this one virus is like a douchebag over here, so this other one's got it like you explain <laughs> you explain in kind of in just sort of colloquial language, like what's going on. I think you could be a very valuable teacher or, perhaps, or, 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 or maybe a lecture series or an app where you explain. I, I think people out. would listen to you. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's important. I think that's actually a, a part that's really – that makes school so difficult is the people that know so much about it, they're so – up in the, the language and all that 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 the communication of it is not really very good and that's what turns so many students off. But sure if you did explain it like, so bro, this virus is gnarly. It fucking totally fucks up your cell, right? You feel like shit, this is why. <laughs> I think that would engage that would actually engage students a lot more, wouldn't it?
0: Yes. Mike Bro Biology. Yeah, I think.
1: <laughs> 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 I think that's what you need to be teaching.
0: You to these fucking building so you can teach these kids what's going on. Because it is, it is, um, it is. I wonder what the margin of error is with with people who simply because they had a poor communicator as a teacher that. Didn't understand something or didn't pursue something that they otherwise would have had an aptitude for if they had just. If it, it, it just it just seems like a like a language issue. It is a lot of
2: times. I think even I, I've run across some people. I mean. I, and this isn't a diss on USC because USC has been really, really good to me. They've been great. But, but I do see sometimes in other people or professors, it's almost like if you don't know this, you're just going to have to figure it out because I had to struggle with it and stuff. And so you end up going back to textbooks and that, so that can be very difficult. Like if you go to like – if, if you, your car has trouble and you go to the mechanic, if the guy would just explain it to you, you could probably do half of it yourself, right? <laughs> but he's not going to help you. You got it. like, uh, you're going to have to suck it up and figure it out and spend a 1,000 hours learning how the carburetor works and – you don't do it. And so I think that's what turns off a lot of people from fixing their own
0: cars. Sure. Well, that, that, I mean, there, there is that sort of like, uh, the, the, the previous generation struggle and be like, no, I, I this sucked for me. So this has got to <laughs> suck for you. But it doesn't I, have to, you know,
2: I don't, a, I don't know if that's what it is or what, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I like to say it's not rocket science and sometimes rocket science really is rocket science and stuff, but you can, you can break down these things into simpler principles that are, Easier
0: to understand. Yeah. I, I but so I feel like you have a responsibility as an educator <laughs> to, to 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 put this information out. And then so, you know, this would be great. You could <coughs> you could give a lecture and then like play a couple songs. <laughs> That's, <laughs> like, <is> right. Perfect.
2: <laughs> That's right, right. This is would be like a Hare Krishna or something, like
0: just start a compound. Just start a compound. I mean yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, like it never occurred to me that the name of your band is a, is a genetic
2: reference. I know, it actually is. Well, our first drummer uh, went to UCLA, and he was also pre-med. And, man, he really, like, he had to get into medical school. Like, that was it for sure. So, eventually, he wasn't really showing up to practice, and it it didn't work out. I'm still good friends with him, but he came up with a name, actually. So, it probably has something to do with his pre-med. So, when you guys broke, was he like, fuck? man. (laughs) He said he had just started a residency in Pittsburgh and was, like, (laughs) unpacking his TV in an apartment and turned it on, and we were on. It's like, oh, my God. But, no, he's, he's happy with what he's doing and stuff. He's doing some amazing cancer research, actually. That's amazing amazing yeah I, this is wonderful are you uh so what like when do you when do you complete the phd program it's whenever you finish you know I, I hope to finish in the next six to twelve months oh wow then what i know exactly apparently i have to become a teacher
0: you could <laughs> you could just as a yeah. side gig you know six six months of teaching six months of touring yeah I'm really not sure
2: where it's going to go. Um, remember, there was that a, that really cool uh, Steve Jobs speech where he said he was into different stuff, but didn't know what it was. And like, he really liked computers, but he really liked calligraphy. And it was years later that it came together as the "What you see is what you get," where you have your fancy fonts on the screen yes. and stuff. And so I kind of see this like that, where I'm not sure where it's gonna where it's gonna take me or where it all fits in, but
0: we'll see. But it's but it but again, it's more about. I I like the fact that for you, the actual PhD is sort of secondary to the journey of it, which I guess is, you know, I always try to convey this to people. It's like, you know, goals are, they're sort of a roadmap. It's like they'll, they'll kind of point you in a direction, but what you become from the journey is like, that's the meat, that's the most important part.
2: For sure. For sure. And this one's been difficult in certain ways too, because it's just a mountain of knowledge. So... It's actually been it's been pretty tough to get through all, all the material and stuff, but but it's great. We're get, I'm getting there. Is navigating the music
0: business tougher than navigating <laughs> science, or is it? Those people are assholes.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I. That you know, like I said, that journey was something that I just I loved. I loved every time. It's like, wow. You mean if I want to play your club, I just send you a cassette and then I call you ten times until you let me play. You know, like that was a different kind of learning experience.
0: Yeah. Do you think you Do you think you will always um, have music in your life, or do you think there's a certain point where you're like, ah, I, I did that for sure. For for sure. I mean, I I I liked biology and i like it
2: even more now and stuff but you know i think when you're a kid like the band thing is like wow that's a that's a big deal and that still hasn't hasn't gone away yeah yeah we still love you know getting out on stage and playing and stuff and i love songwriting of course and making records because you're you're it's like you're creating something you're watching it come to life and but when you play the shows there's that immediate reaction of the crowd and stuff and we're very lucky We, we we just played some shows last week and and it was it was nuts People just, you know, singing along. They know all the words and stuff. And and they're young, too. I mean, they're high school age and whatever, and they're into it.
0: You know you're the closest thing that... Uh, the world has to a uh, buckaroo bonsai. Did that, that ever occur? To you? I
2: watched that movie like a year ago because I had
0: heard references about it. I go, I
2: gotta see. It's kind of a funny movie, right?
1: Yeah, you know, like they they tried, they tried.
0: Right. It got we. I mean, like the movie, the movie. Is that has, funny? You didn't it write it or something, right? No, no,
1: no, no, no. It's kind of a funny. Movie. Yeah, it is.
0: It is. It's the concept of it. You're like, if it was flawed, I'd write. No, 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 it was, no, like, it was yeah. flawed. It was definitely flawed.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> It was a fun movie, but, you know, rock star, scientist, I mean, you know, yeah. it's the, it's, you might hold the key to some type of weird uh, dimensional portal. M- maybe. I'll see what I can do about that. When you, uh, when you, did you take a, a significant amount of time off? Like, at a certain point, did you decide, I just, I can't take the music stuff anymore, I just need a break from it, I have to recharge, I have to kind of hole up for a while? Yeah, we we tend to do that after what we call like a record cycle because you know you spend a long time
2: working on the record, and then you're out playing for people. You know, so you can be on tour for well before you know it, it's two years, you know, sure. two and a half years because you've spent a year and a half making the record and a year on the road. So you you have to recharge a little bit. Um, we've never like taken like a a full on year long sabbatical or anything like that, but um, but you have to you have to take time off. One thing that we do do is when we go on tour, we don't go for two months at a time. That's just is. It's just too gnarly, mm-hmm. so we try to keep it to three weeks, and it ends up being
0: maybe four weeks or something. Somehow,
2: right. it always gets a little longer. But
0: uh, some guys, some people, really just love being on the road, though. Like they can't. I was like, yeah, I own a place, but I'm never at it. You know, like they're just on a tour bus. All yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I've heard like Bob Dylan did like 270 days last year or something Jesus like that. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, God bless him, good for him. That's amazing. But that that's not me. I couldn't do that.
0: Do you have kids? Yeah. How many kids do you have? Uh, two. Two kids? Yeah. Are they, uh, do they have an aptitude for either science or music that you've noticed yet? Uh, music. Yeah. Music for sure. Do you, and as a parent, do you feel like, because it's almost now where if you kind of force them, if you kind of force music too much, they're going to be, like, shut up, dad, I want to be a banker, you know, like you kind of, be, or do you just sort of step back and let them figure out their own stuff?
2: Yeah. I have a friend who decided that he wanted his kids to be cool with music. So he told them that country was really cool for a long time. Before someone said, country's so great, so great, so that they would rebel against the country and, yes. and listen to good music. But, uh... <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, we have a 10-year-old, and she's actually she's really into the band, which is, which is cool, because I know that that's going to change when they hit 12 or something. There's a certain age where there's just no way you can like anything your parent does, right? Of course. So that day's coming, but right now it's still okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, but when she's 16, she'll be the only kid in her class into, like, fusion jazz. <laughs> it was like, I just, nothing rock-oriented for me. Right. right. It just, just have to totally rebel. Yeah. It's funny you say that about country. I, I, lo- I love classic country. Okay. Hated it when I was growing up because my dad listened to it in the car all the time. Yeah. Oh. And the fact that it annoyed my mom and myself, he thought it was funnier, so it was all, you know, I mean, like, it was all Waylon Jennings and all, like, really intense country. And now, like, I I really... Current country music, I'm not. I'm not so much fan because it it's so much pop. Mm-hmm. But I really like a good country song now. Right on. It's so true, Dexter. Country <laughs> music is so true.
2: Well, no, I mean I can go as far as Johnny Cash, as uh, you know, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson for sure. No, I, yeah. I I get it for sure. And and there's a there's a real like you were talking about just talking to the people. I mean that's the ultimate format for that, right?
0: Yeah. So how's your voice hold up now with shows? Because yeah. it's not you're... You can be a little screamy sometimes, so that's that takes a toll. Yeah, it hurts.
1: (laughs) Actually,
2: does my 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 throat's pretty much sore all tour. But what are you gonna do? You know, you see bands like uh, I don't. I'm trying to think of someone who sings really easy. Like a buble guy, you know. Like I, I, Michael's really great. He's a really super nice guy and an amazing singer. But it's like, fuck, why don't I sing like that? Why don't I have to go out and scream at the top of Gotta my
0: lungs? Keep them
2: <laughs>
0: Come out and play. Yeah.
2: Or it's like when you go and you see a comedian play, and they show up, you know, because we have two trucks and a pay, the payroll's crazy, and no one's making any money, and the comedian guy shows up with a stool and a
0: glass of water. It's and like, great. Fuck, no, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I don't do sound checks when they're like, do you want to do a sound check? I'm like, why? I'm talking. Just turn the microphone yeah. on. That's awesome. All.
2: You made a good decision. Oh,
0: it's, it's, the, well, it's just because I, listen, all comedians want to be rock stars. But I also think all rock stars want to be funny. So there is, like, I think there is, we're on both sides of the fence going, it looks pretty rad over there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah. want a podcast. <laughs> you could do a podcast. You need to do a science podcast. All right. right. This is how you can educate people.
2: Can I be your science correspondent?
1: Please.
0: <laughs> Please
2: do that. I didn't mean
0: to only spit in, with excitement. No, only in, on in bro talk, though. Just bro talk. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is really... I, I, I'm not kidding. We could do, like, a cool animation, and then you could narrate, and you could explain. You could explain RNA in bro terms, and I honestly think... I. I I think there would be some people who would find it funny for ironic reasons, and then there would be bros who would be like,
1: oh, fuck,
0: that's sick. You know, like they would really, they would really understand it. I like this. I think something's happening here. This feels like something that we need to be uh, working on together. I'm very excited about it. I mean, it's so often I think people, you seem to be someone who uh, really does kind of live in the present as what I mean is. When I said, "What are you going to do when you're done with science?" I don't know. I mean, I don't know what happens when I get my PhD. I'm just doing it now because, like, like, that's you living in the moment and enjoying it. And I think that's that's such a good takeaway. That's such a good that's such a good way to live because it's so stressful to to fret or worry about what's going to happen in 12 months. I don't know what's going. to I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know yeah. what. I- and it comes from a good place of you're trying to protect yourself, but it's it creates more worry. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I think because of what we do for a
2: living, the band, like you're always thinking that, well, the band could be over at any moment, you know, which is true. It's going to happen. What happens to almost everybody? Except yeah. The Rolling Stones, I guess. <laughs> ACDC's doing <laughs> all Dylan. right. Dylan, right? So yeah. on the road. So maybe you just kind of have to live with that uncertainty. And I don't know. Maybe that's even a motivation. Like, you know, time is short. Yeah. Get it done. Do what you can.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else that you haven't? I mean, like, are there are there any other fields or any other pursuits that you go? You know, when I'm done with this, I want to give that a try. Uh, maybe scuba. Yeah, I'd be kind of into that. Yeah, scuba would be cool because at least that's a recreational activity. Yeah, get you outside. How often do you fly? Do you have to fly a certain amount every month to keep your your uh, license? Uh, it's not really like
2: that, but there are certain requirements to stay current or whatever. Yeah, but I fly probably. Probably three times a week, actually. Oh wow!
0: Yeah. Do you fly to your own? Do you fly yourself to your own gigs? Uh,
2: sometimes depends on how far and that sort of thing. And and actually, a lot of times when we go on tour, I'll bring a pilot along anyway because that's just that's too many jobs, right? To do it once, but I really like it. I mean, you know, for some people they have golf. That's kind of what I compare it to. You know, like, it's like I think flying dog. a plane's a little more
0: intense than golf. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> you don't. You don't want a hole in one <laughs> flying, I guess, right? What? So what? What have you learned? I'm kind of interested to find out like what each skill set has taught you for your life. Like what mm. lessons has having to focus on being a pilot taught you and how have you been able to apply, how have you been able to apply each discipline to each, to yeah. everything else? Yeah. I,
2: you know, well just to start off with that, I don't look at it that way. Um, it just kind of, it all is what it is. I guess they're all different sides of me or whatever. But um, uh, I think the thing about flying that is that it teaches you is you got to be, you got to pay attention. Like you got to be on your shit, you know, when it's time for that. And, and it's easy to kind of go through, cause I do it. You go through a week, you're not really paying attention to where you're driving or whatever, but like this really gets you to like focus and pay attention and, uh, and just, you know, be on your shit. And that's sure. And and I like that about that. I think that's really cool. And also there's a great freedom to it and stuff. You know, when you, that's the, the reward, the payoff is you're up there and you're flying, you know, you can, uh, you can actually fly pretty much wherever you want without talking to anybody if you really want to. It's not always the, the safest thing to do. but Sure. Uh, but there are some times where, like, you know, I want to go to Vegas, and I just want to go. and don't want to talk to anybody. So you take off from the tower, and you're on your own, and, and it's great. It's like the most amazing feeling in the world to be up there, and you're flying your own plane, and there's no one
0: around. So is it, Are, you, are you, so you're flying on instruments. So what is? Does, does the plane fly itself for most of the way, and you just have to keep it on course? Or how, how does it?
2: Uh, yeah, but I mean, you kind of do both, you know, it depends on what you feel like. Sometimes it's like, I want to drive the boat, just hanging out, you know, do some turns, look
0: at the ground. That's amazing. (laughs) I just, I just don't know if I'd be, I feel like I would get up there and then go, this is really cool. Wait, I'm stuck. What am I doing? (laughs) I have to get down.
2: Yeah. I was flying uh, near Palmdale the other day and looked out and I'm like, oh my God, that's a fucking drone. And there was a drone with, a, with like, an F-16 chase plane that was, like, a couple miles away. They weren't coming to get me or anything. Oh. They just happened to be in the neighborhood.
0: But, I don't know, that was pretty amazing. This drone thing, I, I just don't I just don't know how it's a viable path for humans to start littering the lower skies with devices. Like, it's. it just seems like a horrible catastrophe waiting to happen. Something's going to happen, right? I mean, there's no way when everyone can have a drone and they start crowding the... Mm-hmm. Then something's going to cross into something or they're going to crash in midair and land. I could just, it just feels
2: bad. It's, it's going to be bad because there's no regulation right, right now. But most of the drones don't really go that high. They probably go to 500 or 1,000 feet. And so most airplanes will be above that within a minute or so after they take off. Sure. So they're not quite in the same airspace usually yet, but um, they will be, right, as the drones yeah. improve. Have you heard a couple of stories where there's been drones where, like, a 737 captain saw one, like, pass off his right wing tip at, like, 8,000 feet or something no. like that? Like, yeah, really close.
1: Oh, yeah. Well,
0: That's of course, close. because people are obviously, you know, people are obviously going to push the limits as much as they can. <laughs> of and course. Then, and then something horrible is going to happen, and they're like, okay, now we have to, you know, it's sort of a, it's a, like regulation by disaster. Right. Oh, well, I guess we need a rule for that now because that just caused a horrible <laughs> thing.
2: Well, the other thing that's different about drones is when you fly your own airplane, you have you have a really good incentive to fly it well, which is that you want to live, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> you don't necessarily you're not you're not thinking with the same sense of risk when of you're flying course. a drone, or you you know that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's almost the, a drone is is one step above a video game. Like it's really yeah. barely not a video game. Yeah, and the the fact that uh, you know there are basically a bunch of uh, punk kids and weekend dads who have the ability to throw something into a flight path it's very upsetting and i just try not i try not to think about it what do you think is the most uh what do you think is the most important science thing going on right now uh, oh my gosh i mean there's so much
2: stuff going on right i mean drones is huge just because of how it impacts people for sure, sure. Uh, you know, they. Uh, I know my, my thing is molecular biology, but that really is – it's still kind of in this phase where it's really growing very fast. Yeah. You know, if you think about it in a way like they say with physics, it's like, well, Newton figured out most of that stuff in the 1600s and then Einstein added to it a little bit. But it, it that that goes a lot more slowly. But they're literally finding things every couple of years in molecular biology. So it's – and biotech is basically what I'm talking about. So.
0: Sure, because it's tied to that sort of – you know, it's tied to the kind of uh, – Bastardized version of Moore's law, right? So as your technology increases, then you're, you they will apply that and discover. I mean, does it just, you know, do do you ever does it ever bend your mind to just think like, well, now you know, now we know that there's this, uh, now we know that there's this kind of like micro RNA, but there's there's got to be stuff under that, and there's got to be stuff under that, and it just goes that that you know that ancient Greek like it's just infinite,
2: you know. There will be something else, right? Right. I'm sure there will be. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's amazing that, like, they're – it's kind of like they're tinkering. Like, you can take a cancer cell and you can put it under a microscope and you can do your thing to it and you can kill it. Like, they actually have lots of ways of killing cancer, but they can only do it in a specific environment, like in a test tube or whatever. But even that they're at that point, you know, they're at the doorstep of being able to treat people for
0: almost any disease. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I I would imagine that, you know, jumping from a Petri dish to something like the human body is – probably you know i mean that 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 does feel like a a light year it's a a leap right of of a jump but you can you can see it there which is really cool it's just it's just right there yeah um well is there anything uh is there anything specific you want to you want to plug the you want to plug the album now or you want to plug anything before we before we let you go
2: uh oh right right yeah i have a hot sauce
0: Oh, that's right. I read about your hot sauce.
2: I know. We didn't bring any today, did we? Yeah, there's oh. some right here. Oh. This is a fourth pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. I just thought it would be cool to have hot sauce.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Someday I see this hot sauce being like uh, uh, having some type of uh, molecular curative properties. It's like, you know, right. curing I, disease through hot sauce. Yeah, I, I don't mix the two in the lab, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: And yeah, I started it a few years ago, and uh, my friends really liked it. I just I messed around with the recipe, and again, getting into something that I knew nothing about, so it took way longer, and you know, all that. But I eventually, came up with something that people really liked, and so we just started
0: putting it out there, and it's it's growing, it's doing good. You know, but most people, and I know because I feel like there are a lot of people, and I'm also guilty of this. But there's a lot of there's a lot of people that I know, and a lot of them are performers where they just they. It's almost like. Um, Getting addicted to the rush of a new hobby, but then the second that, the, you know, obviously the, the passion's going to go out of that pretty quickly, If and then you you just drop it and move on to something else. <laughs> right. But you actually follow through <laughs> on this shit. You actually, That's, you look, I like hot sauce, I don't know anything about it. Now I'm just going to make hot I'm sauce. I'm going to make it, yeah, and see what happens, I guess.
2: Are people buying it? Where is it? Where yeah, is it available? Yeah. Uh, we're in most supermarkets in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Of them. Maybe half.
1: You have the best like
0: fucking life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then and then Amazon, of course. If you can't find it in your local market it's an Amazon.
0: But. We have some over yeah, where, where they, they brought you guys had it sent it's some Gringo over. Bandito.
2: Yes. Gringo Bandito, that's right. Gringo Bandito. Is this yeah. Is this an
0: approximation of you on the cover?
2: That is, yeah. It's sort of me as like a Pancho Villa yes. type guy. Fantastic. So we yeah, so. have oh, been working on this since two thousand four. Yeah, it's been that long. So we always say, you know, you might not like my band, but you'll probably like my hot sauce.
0: <laughs> <laughs> two shots,
2: two
1: shots,
0: right? <laughs> Zero calories. You could just drink this stuff all day, and that, and it's still totally healthy, right? That's what's so great. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you uh, What do you recommend the hot sauce on? Do you recommend it on? Um... Burritos, tacos, eggs, uh, pizza, what's, what's of your... Of
2: course, all that stuff. It's really good on pizza. A lot of people don't
0: think about putting hot sauce on pizza, but... Oh, Tabasco on a cheese pizza is real good. Uh, yeah. But now Gringo Bandito on a pizza will be even better. You should try it. I, I like
2: Tabasco. I'm like I'm like a hot sauce fan. A lot of people are kind of snobs, like, oh, I don't like Tabasco. It's too vinegary, but I, I
0: really like them all. I think it's part of why I started making hot sauce. Have you been to that hot sauce kiosk at the farmer's market over by the Grove?
2: Yeah, I think we're in there. Light My Fire? Yes. Yeah.
0: That place is amazing. That's pretty cool, huh? One guy just had a dream. Like, I'm going to every fucking hot sauce known to man. <laughs> it's great, on, huh? Under huh? Yeah. Under one little roof. Hot, hot
2: sauce is fun. It makes people smile, you know? It's like... <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't have started a salad dressing company, if you know what I mean. But right. hot, hot sauce, yeah. Holland's own. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, likewise. And, and, and I really, I am, you know, I, I I might seem a little uh, excitable, but I just, when I meet someone that has that many, dim- I mean, everyone is multidimensional, but it's just most people don't explore all of those to the fullest extent. It's just like they tinker a little bit, but I really do think that that's kind of, you know, that life is a bunch of separate little journeys that start to tie together in ways that you don't. Realize, like it's not crazy that in your in your pursuit of hot sauce, it could uncover something about one of the other things that you're working on, totally. and then make a connection. Like that's how you, that's where creativity and genius comes in. Is 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 that sort of interdisciplinary um, uh, study, and, and and so it just I think it, I think it's really cool.
2: Right on, awesome, thank you. I mean, yeah, there's a lot out there, right? The the world is your oyster. The world is your oyster.
0: Uh, pours hot sauce on it. <laughs> That's, if you want to use that, you could totally can I a use slogan? that gem. Yeah, slogan. you could totally use that gem. <laughs> the world's your oyster. Make it spicy. <laughs> uh, man. I, I will not be offended if you decide not to yeah. use that. I completely understand. Yeah. Uh, are you? Uh, where, where can people find you on various social media outlets?
2: Oh, right. Well, Offspring.com, of course. Facebook, uh, Twitter. It's all It's all Offspring. It's, it's all, all Offspring
0: we, stuff there, too. We cornered all that
2: years ago. <laughs> <right>? Good thinking. <laughs> yeah. We sued that kid in Modesto. They had the Offspring. No, I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> sued is a generous term. We beat the shit out
1: of yeah, him.
2: Right. And took his, uh,
0: <laughs> we took his website. But uh, thank you so much for being here, Dexter. Hey, thank re- you very much. really nice chatting it was with really you. really fun. And uh, Goodbye, Noodles! <laughs> We missed you! <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell him. Noodles! We're going to hang out, Noodles. You're going to come to show. You'd like him. Na- uh, now, normally we say at the end of the podcast, enjoy your burrito. Now we can say, uh, pour some gringo bandito on that motherfucker and enjoy nice. your spicy burrito. Nice. The end. Oh, that was so great.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. There's <small noise> so